What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I remain an editor at TheRinger.com. Joining me in the studio, a new year, same old him. It's Andy Greenwald. Happy New Year, everyone. I want to oh. just, I want to just jump in front of this, and I want to. I know there's going to be a lot of speculation yeah. for people listening, and I, people are going to talk, and they're going to wonder, and they're going to surmise and accuse me of being one of the millions of Americans suffering from a respiratory infection <laughs> <laughs> from over the holidays. Yeah. And I want to be on the mic now, sounding good, and I want to be in front of all of you. Listeners, Chris, Kaya, and speak my truth. Yeah. Which is, I am not sick. The truth is, I love smoking. (laughs) And you've covered for me for a long time. Yeah, I'm always like, oh, I love it. And you've read the words that I've written. Yeah. My journals. But it turns out that you are Joe Camel. I am the lung dart king. Yeah. And I got, you know, I'm tired of living in, in... Shame. I appreciate you coming through today, Andy. We didn't do a show earlier in the week because it was New Year's Day. You yes. know, we wanted to to give space. Uh, <laughs> and, I, people and I to, sounded even better to then. ring in the new year for Kaya to slowly make her way down the California coast back to us. Just kidding. We didn't want to do a show on New Year's Day, but we we're here back on Thursday, and we've got a lot to talk we, about. We didn't do a show on New Year's Day because yes, I was sick, but you were in the Mummers Parade as you are every year <laughs> in the fancy division. That's right, um, Andy. It's great to see you, man. Uh, today we're going to talk about our most anticipated shows of 2024. What to watch in 2024? I wanted to ask you something. Well, right. first of all, how, how you doing? Other than having. Um, Uh, a kind of 19th century chest infection. How are you doing otherwise? I'm good. It's fun. First of all, it's always fun to have a cough. It's really fun to have a cough in 23, 24, post-COVID times. People love it. I would say that like, you know in the movies, the Victorian movies, when the person coughs into a handkerchief and then discreetly looks and there's blood? Yeah, Doc Holliday, we call that. (laughs) You call it a Doc Holliday? Yeah. I feel like that would at least spice up this experience. For me, I'd rather you didn't. I yeah. mean, there there is zoom, well, no, but I think know? there's okay. no. First of all, I'm not going to cough on you. The aerosols are contained. Uh-huh. Second, I do think that modern medicine can probably 
arrest whatever was happening in the lungs of everyone in a Jane Austen-inspired novel. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like we're, we're past that now. Uh, it's great to see you. So we're going to talk. Do you want to catch up on some stuff from La Break? I do. You know, like, because this has been a funny one because we've got these two big shows on that we've been kind of intermittently covering, uh-huh. uh, The Curse and Fargo. And then those have been, you know, they've been doing them on the Prestige TV podcast. And I have been enjoying them to varying degrees. But usually Christmas is a time of catching up on films for me and catching yeah, up on the year in movies. Some and of that. That'll, uh, that'll be my watch of the break rather than the watch of the weekend, which is, mm. you know, we've done that all of three times now. But I'm going to keep it consistent. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, yeah. uh, as Kaya is my witness, yeah. I thought Saltburn was pretty good. <laughs> this is this is the most amazing zag. It's not a zag. I think that um, I completely understand why people were either A, scandalized by it, or B, thought it was an act of class warfare. Right. Uh, but I just found it relatively entertaining and not boring. And that was... That's your benchmark. That, that, that kind of was enough for me. And of all the stuff that I watched over the holidays, kind of catching up, which is what wasn't admittedly like all bangers, you know, like I... No, I, you, you watched the Eagles-Cardinals game. Honestly, dude, like one night, uh, it was like my wife and I were trying to find something. I was like, should we start Anatomy of a Fall? Yeah. And it was like, no, we're going to watch Hunger Games Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. God damn. And that was you? not a good film. Yeah. Yeah, that was not a good movie. Are you, a, are you an HG stan from way back? You know what? I, I thought it, that, that movies, those movies had some moments, you know? The, I, you saw Hoffman those? was good. I saw all of those in the theaters. I think because like, damn. that was just like, a ba- I was probably going to the movies like 50 times a year back then. I saw none of them. I will say in my defense that on a, uh, Christmas week hike with my children, my older daughter told me the entire, <laughs> entire imagined history of the Hunger Games universe. Uh-huh. Like, I can tell you the difference the between the District districts? 12 yeah, and 13. Right. Yeah. Pan M. The number of people that she told me were later beaten to death yeah. for their involvement. It's pretty harsh. Uh, it makes me feel like a bad parent, honestly. Do you feel like you've got it or now do you want to go back and revisit Oh no, I've got it. You got it. I, I've got it. I've okay. got it. All right. Well, that was uh so Saltburn was kind of like the most fun. I, I I also, if I can I just say, I saw a play while I was in New York City. Nice. Saw Danny in the Deep Blue Sea, which mm-hmm. is John Patrick Shanley's 1983 play about just a couple of people at loose ends at a bar in New York City. It's uh, the best they kind find of play. each other. And it was uh starring Christopher Abbott as the titular Danny. I love Christopher Abbott. And Aubrey Plaza as Roberta. And it was it was quite excellent. How'd she do on stage? She was awesome. It was actually really good. It was like 80 minutes, two-hander, just a lot of screaming, a lot, a lot of like crying out into the wilderness, like looking Frank, to be loved. Frankie Connecticut and Johnny? Yeah, kind of. Um, but I love, I love theater. You love theater. You like, you love Hurley Burley, right? Like you just love I, early I can get 80s. into an 80s, two guys yelling at each other for a long time play. I yeah. think the reason you have more of a tolerance to that than I do is that you never took acting classes in college. <laughs> Where those were like, Where th- th- those are the golden tickets in the Wonka that factory. That was the pitching machine. Yeah. So everyone got a turn. Yeah. You're killing me. Yeah. A lot of, like, is that, the, this is our youth is kind of like that, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah that's well, a that's Lee. That's, yeah. that's Kenny. Yeah. We got to respect you. You little true West. <laughs> Sweep some shit off a table. Buddy. Buddy. I did true West with our mutual friend, Matt. You, did, you didn't one of the world's only one man true West. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you two things. First of all, the true true West 
is the high school sophomore version of True West who really understands it. I will give you two guesses as to which part I play. (laughs) (laughs) The shy, retiring, bookish part. This was years before the switching roles. It didn't occur to me that we could confound expectations. I would 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 honestly give all the money in the world to see you play the other part. I... I don't think I, I could play the it names the way it's head. Lee and Austin, Lee I believe. Austin. I don't think I would get... I, I, I got to give a shout out to our friend Matt because uh, Matt played uh, Lee. No shit. And, uh, <laughs> and did so. He showed up He showed up for our performance uh, with a suitcase of Odul's non-elk, uh-huh. which he then proceeded to drink most of. And then later told me that it's like, there's no such thing as not out. Yeah, it's like point one, right? I mean, you got to work for it. Yeah. But you'll get there. Yeah. You'll get there. Um, anything for you? Did you, did you aside from a... Uh, so I'm just lost the, in my The days. oral tradition <laughs> of the Hunger Games. Warboards. And, and your a reverie about being in Sam Shepard plays. Did you have anything that I, you came out? Because I, I, I love getting a text from you yeah. two days or a day before we're going to record and be like, what should I have been watching for the last two weeks? Which just, is just, first of all, I've sent you other texts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, we should, should we have two chats? One for the non-stop flow of information and then one for like professional obligations? Sure, yeah. Would we that could, be helpful? Let's, let's <laughs> start multiple text threads. Okay, good. Um, I am going to also stake an opinion on a uh, hot button film for the holiday season. Is it going to be your watch of the of the the holidays or is it going to be a piece of criticism? Oh no, I just want to say the holdover's rules. Oh, okay. I thought you, you I thought you were going to come with some more maestro takes. <laughs> oh, I hold my LaCroix. I'm ready for that. <laughs> I, I first though I want to say like the holdover's is fantastic. I reject all politicization of the uh quality of this film. Oh, like I'm okay. not, I'm just I'm just not I'm just not showing up for any narrative that may emerge about how like this is uh, old fashioned or it's slow or it appeals to like. It, I thought it was a beautiful movie. Good movie. I really, really, really enjoyed good it. Movie. Yeah, it was like right outside my top five. It, I think it would be in my top five, although I'm still you know I haven't seen Songbirds and Snakes yet, <laughs> yeah. so you never know. I can't. I really would love to see like a mm-hmm. uh, if you watch Saltburn. Yeah. Will you just FaceTime me and leave the phone there <laughs> so I can watch your face? I don't think I'm gonna like it. Yeah, but I don't think you're not going to like it. Okay. All right. Yeah. What did you think I was going to think about Maestro? Uh, I thought you were going to hate Maestro with every you? bone of your body. Yeah. You, held that, you held that back. You were very... I appreciated that. I actually thought about that watching it. I was like, I bet Andy hates this fucking movie. I really disliked it. Yeah. I really disliked it. But I think hate is strong because it's very hard to... You can't hate the accomplishment, right? Exactly. Right. No, and... and the and, craft. And, and, and even... Put Bradley aside for a second. He certainly didn't. But let's put him aside for a second. That's and like, my guy. I want to hear one bad word about him. Listen, the production design is amazing. Carrie's amazing. It's and and anytime you you approach a story and you're like, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to zag. I'm going to do. I'm going to make an art film out of what otherwise could be a pretty straight down the middle biopic. I have to admire that. You have my attention. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of problems though with the fact that this is a movie about ostensibly not ostensibly like actually one of the most interesting people of the 20th century, and. Uh, it's about how maybe he'd like to step out a couple times. <laughs> like it, it's just a bizarre misread of someone who I think has a lot of relevance. And yeah, is a, it's is been, a compelling person. I, I I think I was aware of Leonard Bernstein as like a as a uh, composer and as a conductor, mm-hmm. and I I really enjoy watching the YouTube's of his concerts. Yeah. I did not know much about his biography 
or about his his political action committee that he seemed to have running out of his apartment, which I thought was fascinating. But that wasn't in the movie. It wasn't in the movie. Um, yeah, I, 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 but as Sam says, we, we we shouldn't judge it on what was left out. We should judge it on sure. what is left in. My my feeling is, do you remember at the end of the Back to the Future when Doc Brown is like, "It's your kids, Marty." Yeah, I feel like it's the actors. We got to do something about the actors. You feel like they're doing too much. I feel like they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna help themselves to extra at the Sizzler Bar. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Bradley's like, I'm going to give oh, myself... Oh, you feel like they got skinny off that strike? <laughs> <laughs> and now, now they're I, I doing just, seconds? I just mean it's like, Bradley's like, I'm going to I'm gonna eat and yeah. eat and eat. But don't worry, my pitch to you, Carrie, is I'm going to tell everyone the movie's about you. It's not. But I'm going to let you die real slow. <laughs> Camera's going to catch all of it. Uh-huh. All of it. And we're going to get you that Oscar. I, 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 I don't know. I found it. I found it surprising for the reasons that I dislike the, the the ways that I disliked yeah. it. But um, you want to you want to talk about the tears for fear scene? Uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for people <laughs> who haven't gotten there. I think okay. that that is. I enjoyed it. Okay. I enjoy. I actually would have kind of been into like eighties Lenny as like a yeah the, what the movie was about. There were a lot of and interesting him reflecting movies back there. And look, I, I I'm being glib. I shouldn't be glib because this was a couple weeks ago that I watched it, and I it's one of those things where. And I feel like you, how many times a year did you go to the movies? 50 times? Back in the day, yeah. Um, well, yeah, but if you count rewatchables prep as going to the movies, you, you're still keeping those numbers up. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, I, I think there's got to be a term for, like, they're the movies that in the days after you see them, your feelings change. Yeah, sure. And sometimes they get more positive. Sometimes they get more negative. That's but how I, feel I felt like, about Saltburn, is that, like, actually in the days after mm-hmm. seeing it, I was like, you know what? I didn't mind that. So I think that's an interesting phenomenon to think about. And Maestro, I went more negative than I than I felt after I legitimately watched legitimately watched it. But I should say, like broadly speaking, people who make movies or make anything, I think, should find what makes them inspired, what mm. makes them compelled to make it, as opposed to being like this is going to be for everybody. So I do respect that, and I obviously respect Bradley's um, close friendship with Jeffrey Lurie and the entire Eagles organization. So I won't say anything bad about that. But then otherwise, I just watched I watched a lot of old movies. I, I I went uh, especially during my uh, my more um, febrile days. <laughs> I was watching a lot of Jim Brooks, James L. Brooks movies. Uh huh. When's the last time you watched broadcast news? I watched it a couple years ago for the rewatchables. Did you rewatchables that? Yeah. God damn it! With Chuck, that's a great movie. Yeah, it was. I mean, he's he's the best man. I wish he, he's got a new one coming out. He's talking about it. Yeah, he's cast it. Emma Mackey's in it. Um, something funny is happening. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, we always are in basically award season. It's big picture season. Mm-hmm. Golden Globes are on Sunday. All the actors on actors videos, the actors roundtables, directors on directors. It's all happening. Yep. They're all talking about their stuff. They just all look all so fresh-faced. And you referenced two times The Holdovers and Maestro and some of the discourse sure. surrounding those movies. And I apologize for no, that. No, that's not. This is, this is my point. Do you feel like there's like an absence of that kind of influence or discussion around TV right now? Because mm. I think that for all the merits of, say, The Curse or Fargo, it was funny seeing all the True Detective reviews, and we're going to be having a lot of True de- te- Detective content on the watch coming up. It was like the first time that I felt like we had had like a flat out like critical sensation in a while in TV and that there was like this sort of air of discourse and anticipation around something in a way where it wasn't like basically people throwing their hands up and being like, there's just too much to watch. So I'm going to watch what I watch on my own time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just been interesting to kind of be 
watching uh, the movie kind of conversation wrap around Iron Claw and Maestro and Holdovers and Saltburn and, you know, Zone of Interest as it's coming and Poor Things as it's coming to more theaters. And it having it be like this real tug of war that I feel like I'm seeing play out in social media and even in discussions at like dinner. And TV is now kind of sort of more of that like, oh, did you did you happen to fit this in between yeah. a rerun of Suits and like a Netflix docuseries that you were watching and then you checked out two episodes of this and wasn't for you? Like, it does feel like a quiet time because we're going to be talking about what's coming out in 24 and there's a lot of like big ticket items. But it is, it's just, there's something missing in terms of like the the juice around TV. Well, I think it's a combination of factors. I think one of the factors is that we are lacking that alpha show. Mm -hmm. More often than not, that show has been on, you know, like one of two networks. But I, I think it's safe to say that a lot of the shows that we've been talking about, even ones that we've been celebrating, you know, like the gold or whatever, like they, the people who have They're found niche. it like it. Yeah. yeah. But they are not that, that big show. I think the other aspect is connected to a conversation we had at the end of last year as well, which is the disparity between who has what and where people watch things, I think is growing. Yeah. I don't think it's, it might be enough internally for FX slash Hulu slash Disney to be getting the ratings that Fargo season five is getting for them because I haven't been keeping a close eye on it, but it seems like they are getting linear viewers still. It's an established yeah. brand with some stars in it. It's a dependably quality um, production. You know, their streaming data is what it is, but I'm sure it's justifying. I'm sure they're happy with it. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm trying to couch it, but that doesn't mean, quote unquote, the masses are watching it. If it was on Netflix, maybe they would be. Yeah. It's weird saying that. It's weird just sort of casually saying that because this whole podcast to a degree is built, not let alone like my professional career for the last 10 plus years is based on this idea that people will find quality and people will seek things out wherever. But as we have um, cut cords and, and decentralized everything, we have reached this point now where I'm not really sure what choir everyone's preaching to. I just was reading Steven Soderbergh's annual oh, yeah. red scene watched or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like his sort of media diary that he keeps, which is always this object of incredible fascination for me because he's such like a voracious but also eclectic uh, consumer of, of, of stuff. High culture and low culture. And the low culture stuff is almost exclusively Netflix. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it, it is interesting to watch if you were, I think if you were to do like just a map of his last few years, and this is a guy who watches as much below deck as he rewatches Hitchcock and Bergman movies, right? It's like, it's like me and Kaya. Yes. Out. It was, if you and Kaya were the same person, <laughs> it, it, there's almost like this arc of like all of, all of TV that was used to be like cable basically is now just on Netflix. And he's also watching like yeah. what used to be 30 for 30. You know, it's basically he's watching Drive to Survive and the Tennis One. And on Apple, he was watching like the, the Super League documentary. But a lot of, you know, true crime and a lot of sort of contemporary news, current events, docuseries. And it's like so much of his Netflix. And then I don't know if you noticed, but like a bunch of Warner stuff wound up on Netflix in the last couple of weeks. So like yes. eight or something of their movies are all Warner's movies and a bunch of shows now. Like, it's it's crazy how that has become, like, basically America's television now. Yeah, I mean, Netflix set out in, when they, when they ditched the red envelopes, I think the idea was to eat HBO's lunch. And there was that famous thing about, like, we're going to become them before they can become us. That's not how things shook out. Netflix didn't become HBO. Netflix became TV. Yeah. Netflix became the thing you turn on while you think about what other things you might add to it. 
you search there first. Yeah. It's where most things, and increasingly as, as companies are licensing their content again, you can now once again play the long game with them to think that something might eventually end up there. Yeah. It is surprising. I also wonder, just to circle all the way back to your original point about like movies and discourse things, the larger disconnect between who's actually talking about what or watching what, I mean, the awards discourse around movies is always so, and I know this is a hobby horse of yours as well, it's like, who's talking about poor things since it's only playing in five cities, yeah, right? right. Um, I'm not really sure how national that argument is. I, I, that. I think it, it's, a very, it's a very bubble take. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, it's like Aquaman 2 pr- pretty much flopped, yep. but is also going to like 300x the sort of box office of poor things, right? Like, sure. It, it, it is, it is, we're not, I, we're not talking about Aquaman 2, but like more people will have experienced that than, than probably poor things. This is also potentially self-serving for our podcast, but the one thing that I do think is sneaky monoculture or becoming monoculture, at least in terms of its popularity or reach, is Slow Horses. I think Slow oh. Horses is legitimately. What makes you say show. that? Um, I mean, it's partly my typical Thomas Friedman. I took a taxi cab sure. in a major coastal city once and someone was talking about it. <laughs> uh, I, I I have actively overheard three strangers explaining the and this plot was of the show to someone. And this is at Little Doms yeah, exactly. and all time. This is both <laughs> in Los, Los Feliz and Silver Lake. So I think it's a pretty <laughs> yeah. safe bet. No, but I mean, I have heard strangers explaining it to people. Sure. I, I, Did it, your it, daughter, it, was your daughter involved? involved? <laughs> she, she's not interested in the show as it is. She's interested in the the origin stories sure. of the... Yeah, the songbirds and snakes of Slow Horses. Right. Actually, it would probably be a pretty sick show. Hold on. The Jonathan Price show? <laughs> yeah. We're a veil. Yeah. No, but I, I think that that is, that is a successful show and has room to grow. Probably best to... We can get into our list because I think this... Con- or I don't know if you had other stuff ahead of that but no, I think that, I, that but this conversation is a worthwhile one yeah in terms of what what even is the conversation now I think True Detective coming back will be an interesting one but I think the larger returns on where we're at culturally in terms of TV's footprint is at least a year away from any kind of forward movement because of the delays from the strikes yeah you know I think that if we were heading into 24 with HBO having Last of Us House of the Dragon which they do have White Lotus, mm-hmm. all coming in the next five months, it pro- would probably feel a little different. So the, one of the reasons why I was mentioning Netflix is as I was putting together this list of the shows that we're anticipating in 2024, Netflix is sort of, at least to me, kind of opaque about like what's coming when, you know, yeah. uh, they... When you say at least to you, you mean they're, they're not returning your calls? I, I th- Well, what I would say is that like, I'm sure if I dedicated more time to it, I could unearth more release dates and sort of calendar year schedules but i think that they move at a very flexible pace Mm -hmm. and so for me like there was a couple of things that popped off that was like oh that's on netflix this year that'll be interesting but i can't figure out when it's coming out and then there is undoubtedly going to be six to ten shows on netflix that will be like this is out of nowhere like beckham or dark or whatever where you would never heard of it all of a sudden, three people said, you got to watch this, and now it's like a sensation. Um, so that th- this list will be absent of a lot of Netflix shows, but I would almost say watch this space because, you know, six times a year at least something is on Netflix where I'm like, shit, that was my weekend, you know? Yes, and I think that they're the only ones, I mean, not to blow more smoke, but they do seem to be the only ones operating from a position of strength. Yeah. Like that they're, it's okay, they can just sit on stuff and then see, decide yeah. when they want to deploy it. 
This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for more details. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. You talked a little bit about the idea of what we would usually know. Sorry to interrupt you, but like, for example, I just this morning learned that Michelle Yeoh has a TV series. Coming out in like a week or two. Yeah. uh, Mother's Son. Yeah, a Netflix show that that Brad Falchuk, who used to work with Ryan Murphy Mm -hmm. and everything, like, it's just... You're going to have this reaction like six times okay. when we do this. So you were mentioning the HBO. Usually we have like, what, like four or five HBO shows that we kind of like yeah. have a sensor coming. And that we're like, now I've watched a little bit of the new True Detective. Mm-hmm. The embargo has been lifted. So I will say it's awesome. We're going to be talking to Issa Lopez on the pod soon. I uh, can't wait to talk about this series. Jodie Foster is outstanding in it. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's great. oh shit. But after that, and you know, the sympathizer and the regime, there's a bunch of stuff. And of course, industry, we'll, we'll talk about all that. The thing that really jumped out at me as I was putting together this list mm-hmm. is the extent to which Apple has a bunch of shows, some of which I think are safely coming out in 24, some might, that feel like in a different timeline might have been HBO shows. Yes. Uh, that they are the kind of prestigious dramas with a big name that I think you would have kind of been like, that feels like it should be on Max on Sunday nights. And now we've had like a kind of mixed relationship with the Apple TV offerings. Like obviously we love Slow Horses. Very excited about Masters of the Air. For All Mankind has like a huge amount of fans Mm -hmm. among our listeners and we're just like woefully behind on it. 
I liked Silo. Kyle liked Silo. Like we have shows on it that we have enjoyed. But the idea of looking at this lineup and being like, wow, Apple has like eight things that I would definitely at least check out is a little bit surprising. I was a little bit shocked to see how dis- the disparity of the distribution of the networks and, and how much Apple there was on this. I mean, I, I think that it's been interesting to observe. A, a moment ago, I was saying how Netflix set its guns on HBO uh, a decade ago. Things developed the way they developed, and Netflix became even bigger than that. Apple also came for HBO, mm-hmm. in a way. And, you know, Apple, I mean, a- HBO was the only game in town in terms of luring, for many years, if not decades, and, you know, with luring big stars into television, usually in the form of a, a TV movie or a miniseries. And then with Big, big Little Lies, Lies it yeah. sort of blew the lid off of it in terms of what was possible. That was a classic. And True Detective. It, yes. It, well, it, thank you for saying that. That was the first one that, yeah. that lit this whole fuse. Um, Apple has more money. Yeah. It just it just has more money. And and making TV shows. They with, can with, do the old model of it's got to be big, buzzy, or awards and hopefully some combination. Yeah, and it's 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 the the cost is irrelevant to them. They can spend the most money to secure the material, uh, whether it's the underlying IP or the package that's brought to them by a stu- an outside studio, and then they can just lard it with talent. Yeah, because um, they can afford to pay more than one actor that costs a million dollars an episode, or set that actor's new floor at a million dollars an episode. So I think I think it, this is not news. This is not news to our listener, Casey Bloys, who's who's pivoted in really smart ways and has other shows, um, you know, and, and I think will ultimately always make the argument. There's, there's that a bunch of Mac stuff here. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. No, but I think that's an interesting point to make. I, I, and I think that there's a there's an argument that, well, TV doesn't make stars. Um, I mean, TV makes stars. Stars mm-hmm. don't make TV. But I guess we're about to go through a list that might try to suggest otherwise. So the only other thing, t- sort of top line, like, big picture takeaways that I got from doing this list was the extent to which the strikes have impacted these shows. Mm. A lot of these shows suspended production Mm -hmm. or suspended development or whatever it was, but they were mid-production or... Here's the thing. When you read about this stuff, often the articles attached to the point at which the show is are not quite in sync with reality. That's right? true. So yeah. it'll be like, so-and-so has just joined this movie. And it's like, this movie's done shooting. They just announced that this person is in the movie. I, I live that in real time. Yeah. Yes. So um, there is a bunch of stuff here that I think sounds good, but was like, this was a go before the strike, or this was, they were writing these before the strike, or they were mm-hmm. shooting this before the strike. And the post-strike information has essentially dried up on on some of these things. So keep that in mind. A lot of this 2024 stuff, it might be 2025. And as we're seeing more and more with quote-unquote scheduling conflicts, Mm -hmm. some of this stuff might not happen at all. So I'm not going to go in chronological order. I'm going to kind of go in little tiers and categories that I have here, partially because we just don't have release dates for a lot of this stuff. Let's get the return, the returning shows out of the way. Okay. Okay. Stranger Things is going to come back for its final season on Netflix. Hacks is going to come back in the spring That's on exciting. Max. True D, as we said, is coming back uh, in about a week. Mm-hmm. Um, House of the Dragon returns on Max in the summer. Industry, our boys, coming back soon on Max. And there is some Andor season two. Could they get it done? I doubt it. But I think I think it's more likely 25. Okay. So I've just had that out there. I, um, and then there are some things that you could say, is this a re- like Masters of the Air is coming on Apple in a couple of weeks. 
is that a returning champion because it's like Band of Brothers in the Pacific or do you consider it mm-hmm. something new? I guess you could consider it something new. I consider it part of the larger war ex- yeah, cinematic Yeah, it's kind universe. of a songbirds and snakes situation. Well, the birds. Yeah. Because they fly. Yeah. Of these returning hitters, mm-hmm. what are you most excited about? Of that list? Mm-hmm. Industry? Yeah. <laughs> we can only be us. It's I mean, right. th- there was one right answer, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm sorry. <laughs> what about you? Um, if I took industry out of it, I am fascinated with the extended period of time between these two Stranger Things seasons and to what extent they are comfortable like ending this Mm -hmm. and to what extent they'll be like the further adventures of all these people besides David Harbour and Millie Bobby Brown because they're like in a bunch of different movies. Can I I make a promise to you? And when I say promise to you, there's a certain kind of promise to you. There's the like, I'll pick you up promise because we're friends. Yeah. Right. And then there's the like you saying you'll watch a Miyazaki movie promise, which is like mostly for I clicks, got pretty close with this. I've watched two animated series. Yeah, you're like you're like a goldfish in a bag. You just need to get you don't want to see the really good thing. You just want to like understand what the water feels like. Uh, um I would like to watch the beginning at least the beginning of the Stranger Things that's season. Very big of you. No, I mean <laughs> but specifically like I kinda wanna be like because I haven't watched it since season two. Two two, right? You watched one, didn't you? Yeah, I loved one. Okay, and I watched, you started two and you were like, nah. No, I watched two. Two I, is at the, two's not at the mall. Two is Halloween, three is at the mall, four is running up the hill, this is five coming. I, I just want to see these these tall men. Yeah, that's the thing. Is, are they going to have to de-age these guys like the Irishman? I kind of want to just like do it as an experiment, being like, what is this? A, a, what is this? Or is this purely like... They've got know? like multiple stage productions of like adaptations yes. of the Stranger Things world going. I, I'm i sure there's an animated something in the works if it hasn't already come out and I don't know about it. And like the, a bunch of these characters probably could have continuing adventures of. And so I'm just going to be curious to see like it'll be a pretty significant moment, you know, that this has probably been one of the more popular shows over the last 10 years. Yeah. And just seeing how they end it. So aside from my obvious uh, desire to watch uh, Jon Snow Snort snow in industry. Nicely done. I, I am I am curious about the end of Stranger Things. Good. Okay, thanks. What, what about boys? The boys? Uh, what about it? Oh, there, it's, it is coming back. That's as coming is back. Outer Range, as is Rings of Power, I think. Um, so I hope Outer Range comes back. I have not heard much about the second season of that. And that, speaking of things that have taken a long time to get back to screens. You should check that out because that guy, Lewis Pullman, <laughs> I think that kid's, he's worth watching. It's one of your weirdest fun fucking bits. If somebody didn't listen it. to like own it. the first episode of the lessons in chemistry. No, no, no. Listen, uh, one thing that I've been assured by our by our crack team here is that everyone listens to the entire podcast. That's true. At 1.0 speed. Um all the way through. I'm going to talk to you about the the Apple Television Corporation. I'm excited. Okay, so here are a bunch of shows from Apple this year mm-hmm. that piqued my interest. Number 1 is Sinking Spring. Yeah. This was made in a lab for you and I. It stars Brian Tyree Henry and Wagner Mora as two Philadelphia friends who pose as DEA agents to rob a house, but face the consequences of their actions when it turns out they robbed a large narcotics operation. Yep. And a lot of these descriptions, I want to shout out Rob Perez's playlist website because that's that's the wellspring of of stuff I'm getting. Uh, a lot of these. I uh, want to shout out the fact that I think I pitched this idea to you at the library bar in 2004. <laughs> Not as a TV show. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know what's going on with this because there's also another Philly crime saga coming 
from Brad Inglesby starring Mark Ruffalo, right? Yes. And that's Max? That, that's HBO. That's a, Yeah, HBO. Um, that's happening. That's, so we're getting two Philly crime sagas. Yes. Uh, Sinking Spring is a good example of was in production, was halted by strikes, don't know what's going on with this. I, 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 we don't have an update, but it seems like they got about three months filmed and then were shut down in May. Unless they waited for seasonal synchronicity, yeah. they, this can be finished to air this year. Okay. I'm just going to declare that. It seems possible. Yes. And this is apparently was at least partially or entirely shot by Eric Messerschmidt, who's David Fincher's go-to cinematographer mm-hmm. over his last two couple of movies. So that's pretty exciting. The, my only note about this is it's based on a 2009 book called Dope Thief, which is a much cooler name than Sinking Spring, but <laughs> I guess I don't work for Apple. Um, another one is The Big Cigar. Uh, okay. Andre Holland starring as uh, oh, yeah. Black Panther leader Huey Newton and Alessandra Nivola plays Burt Schneider, the Hollywood producer, and Schneider is trying to help Newton abscond to Cuba from the States, and this is from Jim Hecht, who worked on Winning Time. And this is, this is an Epic Magazine-type uh, article. I remember the article. Okay. It's very, very cool. Cool. And Andre Holland, I'll watch him in anything. Truly, one of our greats. Um, Presumed Innocent, an adaptation from David E. Kelly of the the famed Scott Turow uh, thriller from the 90s. Shout out Bonnie Bedelia. That, that's, she, she's on your list. Bonnie was great. She was great. She shook me up in that movie. Yeah. No spoilers. Jake Gyllenhaal and Ruth Negga uh, starring in this reboot great of cast. the 90s thriller. Uh, Lady in the Lake, which is, uh, I've been reading about this possibly happening for a while, mm-hmm. so take this with a grain of salt. Natalie Portman, and this is in a Laura Lippman, Alma Harrell collaboration about uh, crime in Baltimore in the 1960s. It's based Laura, on Laura Lippman's novel. Yeah, yeah. right. And uh, that, that to me is like, that's a 2015 HBO show. Yeah, it was supposed to be Lupita was, was originally okay. co-starring with Natalie. Okay. I call them by their first names. Speaking of something that it's just like, am I reading these words and they, they're, they're real words and these are re- people are doing this thing? Disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Written and directed, I think, entirely by Alfonso Cuaron. <laughs> it's just nuts. Starring Kate Blanchett and Kevin Klein about a famed television journalist who discovers she is a prominent character in a novel that reveals a secret she has tried to keep hidden. It says it got done sh- production last February. It's really hard to even conceive of any of this, but... I think this is happening. I think that's happening. I don't think they're lying to us. It's just when you say those things. <laughs> what if like our new thing was just like accusing networks of lying to us? <laughs> I, I actually think our new thing should be. I'm just going to suggest this. Um, let's see what Kaya thinks about this, just you know, legally speaking. But I think that we should, during a slow time or at this time next year, do an entire hour with made-up projects. Yeah. And just see. Oh, I well, We could definitely get away with it. We could 100% get away with it. Well, maybe Dope thief. Exactly. <laughs> a third series about Philadelphia guys hanging out? Weird. Thieving from dope. Um, but also surfing? Okay, so then there's a couple of things where I'm like, you tell me Severance Season 2? Um, I believe it's happening. Okay. Is that, are you asking me if they're real or not? I mean, I think that... No, I know Severance Season 2 is inevitably Severance coming. Season 2 is going to come this year, I okay. think. I, it, it was a... From everything I've heard, it, it was a... Like the first season, a very grueling production um, because of the production demands and and it's very exacting. And global warming so you can't get the snow. I mean, that's true too but there's an Apple show about the making of Severance in the, <laughs> and the, 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 the struggles they found weather-wise. No, I think Severance will come this year. We haven't heard a lot about it. I think they, from what I, I they were probably scheduled to be done before the strike but then weren't but um, look forward to seeing what they came up with. 
uh, Bad Monkey, which is Bill Lawrence, who is a legendary sitcom producer and then worked a lot on Ted Lasso. It's his adaptation of Carl Hyacin's novel, and it's supposed to star Vince Vaughn and Michelle Monaghan and Jodie Turner-Smith and Ro- Meredith Hagner and Rob Delaney and Natalie Martinez. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's a stacked cast. I have not seen a piece. And my strike buddy, John Ortiz. Yeah. Great I have not. I have not seen a frame of this. Or- yeah, this is curious. It, it's definitely in the can, but I've, I've, I've not heard it about it being scheduled. Okay. Um, something that is scheduled is Manhunt, which stars Tobias Menzies, and it's about the, the hunt for the man who shot Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Yeah. Are you a Menzies man? I'm a Menzies man, and I'm also, uh, I don't love a presidential assassination. Careful. I love content around it. Like Libra. Yeah. Or Don DeLillo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you love. <laughs> Is that what and you're talking about? the movie JFK. Okay. So uh, those are the two things. And then the movie In the Line of Fire. Oh. Yeah, that's and, good And um, the, the Last Minute of Lincoln. That's a bummer, you know, but like... Did you see it coming? <laughs> I didn't. But I mean, I'm excited to see more about it. You know, you, what happens the next... The Z Wantaneo. So do you think... speak of... Is this sort of the like... You know, when I've talked about this in the podcast before, but how Disney used to make sequels to their masterpiece classic movies, but they would only release them like on home video, like Lion King 2. Like, do you feel like this is Lincoln 2? Well, it's from... Wouldn't that be savage if they called it Lincoln 2 Manhunt? They would make so much money. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Wait, I, do you think they were ready for a Menzies moment? I'm not, I'm not joking around. Like, I feel like this guy... I, th- I think that he has, be, he, has, he has achieved the level of like, I can, I can carry a TV series for sure. I think that I think that people I think this is not on our radar, but I think Outlander, people yeah. really like this guy. Yeah. Kai, do you like Tobias Menzies? Do you have an opinion? Uh, no, sorry. No, okay. So wrong. I'm just testing. This is I'm just testing. I like I like this. So there's certain things that you hear about in taxi cabs in New York <laughs> or in tr- I wasn't in New York. <laughs> restaurants in Silver Lake. Yeah. And then there are things... I just have a gut feeling. A gut feeling, like that Menzies is that, due. That this 49-year-old Brit, <laughs> that some it. people will be you like, You always believed guy? in Trey Turner and you always believed in Tobias Menzies. Tobias Menzies starred in my favorite film of 2023, You Hurt My Feelings, with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. Look at your face. You're so tired of me. <laughs> I'm not tired of you. I just, this is, I just Kai, Tell me that when you've seen Saltburn. Kai, all right. <laughs> Kai, do you know that this month is our 12th anniversary of doing this pod? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Can you see it? I didn't even get a present. No, no. <laughs> no it just feels like 12 years for you. Not you. <laughs> you were, you no, were I mean, I didn't years. get a present for you guys. Oh, oh Doing I see. the podcast okay. with you is our present. <laughs> yeah. Aww. It's, I could see the decade plus on Chris's face. Just I wonder then. what Kyle would get us. Maybe like an a uh, Otani and Yamamoto jersey. She you know? would get us a firm handshake. <laughs> yeah. Kyle gives us enough. Um. Okay, so those are the Apple shows. You can see why I'm like, damn, Apple. Yeah. Good stuff. And then let's go through some other stuff here. In January, we've talked a lot about True Detective and Masters of the Air coming. Later in the month, one thing that I'm keeping my eye on is Capote versus the Swans. This is part of mm-hmm. the uh, feud uh, franchise that Ryan Murphy oversees. Well, he there was one of them in yes. 2017. And now, now there's, there's this one is, uh, it, this one feels closer to like Fosse Verdon than mm-hmm. it does American. Which was not a feud, was it? No. I think that was just Fosse Verdon. What about Feud Lincoln Manhunt? That all tracks. 
right? It was a feud. That's literally what yeah. happened. Yeah, but John Wilkes Booth kind of he kind of ended that argument. You think he won the feud? I don't know. Uh, Jeez. Anyway, this is Tom Hollander as Truman Capote, and then the Swans are the group of women that he sort of ingratiates himself to. Are played by Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Molly Ringwald, Demi Moore, and Calista Flockhart. Amazing. John Robin Bates, uh, the the esteemed playwright, he wrote it. Robbie. Yeah. Is that what we call him? That's what he's called. That's on FX at the end of the month. Also coming soon on the Hulu FX side of the street mm. is uh, The Veil, uh, which is Elizabeth Moss um, in a Stephen Knight, parentheses, Peaky Blinders, parentheses, Rogue Heroes. Parentheses, everything. Yeah. Uh, and this is about, it kind of feels a little Patricia Highsmithy. Yeah. And it's about uh, two women traveling from Istanbul to Paris and London and one possessing a secret that the other must expose co-stars Josh Charles. As the other woman? No, but I think that this looks cool. It sounds very cool. And anything that showcases Elizabeth Moss, that, get, that gets watched in this yeah. house. Speaking of Highsmith, mm-hmm. I do think we will eventually see Ripley. Yes. Steve Zalian's long gestating adaptation of Patricia Highsmith's sort of maybe one of her most famous characters, Ripley. Obviously, it's Andrew Scott. And uh, this was originally going to be on Showtime, I think. This Has was, moved to Netflix. Yeah, this is elite behind-the-scenes maneuvering. This was a big, big get for Showtime. This is Andrew Scott coming off of Fleabag, Fleabag Season 2. Steven Zalian, who has a long career and an impressive CV, and made this series, shot it in black and white, which is remarkable. And then when Showtime decided it was just going to become a plus to Paramount, they somehow, I mean, they extra they they consciously uncoupled, but it's remarkable to see this uncoupling where they then end up at as we were saying yes. the most popular place. So this is going to be on Netflix. Yes, it will come out this year, and yes, we will check it out. Yes, so that's uh, the Highsmith category. Um, what else do we have here? You got some good stuff here on this list. There's some good stuff. Let's stick stick with Netflix. Mm-hmm. This is something that is happening. Mm-hmm. A show called Zero Day. Insane with Robert De Niro, Lizzie Kaplan, and Jesse Plemons. This is from the Netflix website. Zero Day asks the question on everyone's mind. What's Kaya getting Chris and Andy for their anniversary? <laughs> this is, this is going to be a new running bit. I think we should crowdsource suggestions because there's one thing. Anyone who listens to us talk about whatever we want for a decade plus, I feel like we deserve a gift. I think right? it would be funny if Kaya got us a Polestar car, like an electric car. <laughs> wow, I feel really... You know, I never actually talked about it. I never talked about it. You had Andy had a bad experience with an electric car. Mm-hmm. Not me. <laughs> vroom vroom. <laughs> just Joe just brought those prices down. You man. are the I drink your milkshake <laughs> meme, but for Earth's natural ore. That's you. Yeah, I'm sure no tears were shed making electric power cards. Man. I'm finished. <laughs> um, Zero Day asks the question on everyone's mind. How do we find truth in a world in crisis? One seemingly being torn apart by forces outside of our control. And in an era rife with conspiracy theory and subterfuge, how much of those forces are products of our own doing, perhaps even our own imagining? Mm. That does not really tell us what the show is about. No. But... Robert De Niro, Lizzie Kaplan, and Jesse Plemons are apparently in this. It, more than that, also, here's all we know about the show. Application for filming a train crash was submitted last summer. Hell yeah. That's cool. I like train movies. Did you <laughs> see the full the full cast? Can I just name some names? Go ahead. I believe you mentioned Bob De Niro. Yeah. Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah. Jesse Plemons. Yep. My queen, Joan Allen. <laughs> My queen, Connie Britton. 
the great Bill Camp, the yeah. great Dan Stevens. Inside of you, there are two queens. My third queen, Angela Bassett. <laughs> Matthew Modine. This is wild. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the show is really about. Like, I know it's a, it's about conspiracy theories, but this is this is like one of those things that you're just reading. Also on Netflix, um, Black Doves. This one jumped out at me because Gary Haji was like a curio from a couple years ago, the Kelly McDonald crime thriller that was yeah. like. Uh, set in Japan. Um, I, I, I mostly liked it. We never really talked about it. Was it set in Japan it. or was it set in London? I can't, it can't was, remember. It, it was set both. It was in both. both. Joe Barton uh, does this series and here's the log line. Spy thriller starring Kira Knightley and Ben Wishaw with Sarah in. Lancashire. In. Yeah, right. So that's on Netflix. That sounds incredible. Um, this is the big one. This is the big one that Netflix has in their back pocket. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot is riding on it in some ways. Okay. Three body problem. It's... It's a big one. The new series from Benioff and Weiss, uh, a mind-bending sci-fi on a huge scale starring Benedict Wong and... Uh, Joven Adepa. Yeah. And Dave and Dan. It's been quiet for them. You know? It, it's been very quiet. They did quiet. the chair, right? Like, they did They did the Sandra yeah. O show a little bit, like, kind of, right? I mean, I think that that was a... I don't know if David Benioff is his wife is Amanda Pete. Yes, I know. It's, that. it's underreported. Yeah, I think that was through the family connection since that was her show. Yo, I saw this video on Instagram a couple weeks ago. Of it was a compilation of times that Sarah Paulson has kind of acted has been unimpressed by how hot Channing Tatum is. We're Sa- like so Sarah she, Paulson. Yeah, so has this come up a lot? I guess it has. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know, I Sarah Paulson is. Uh, is is married to Holland Taylor and yep. like all that, you know? Like so, I, I makes sense that she does not like Channing Tatum um, sweat on me. Yeah, but she is like, nah, dog, that doesn't do it for me. To like other and including Amanda Peet, they were having some sort of like Studio sixty reunion, and Amanda Peet's like Channing Tatum is a smoke show, and Sarah well, Paulson is like, you in fact are married to the hottest man. Was this was a filmed event? It was like or a, you got- a, a Instagram reel. It was like all the time Sarah Paulson has been unimpressed by Channing Tatum. This was your real watch of the <laughs> watch of the winter. Just you just scrolling Instagram yeah. reels. Getting- and it's just people being like, have you seen Magic Mike? And Sarah Paulson being like, nah. Dog. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, she likes the movie, I think. No, she thinks the project of Channing Tatum. Yeah, but Tatum. she's just like, keep, keep it over there for me. You know? She didn't see him dance in Hail Caesar? It's not Channing Tatum. It's Magic Mike. No, I know, but I'm saying he's charming in Hail Caesar. She doesn't seem to. She doesn't seem to respond. To she's his immune. Charms. Yes, but this, this, and then Amanda Pete's like, "Holy shit, did you see this guy?" And she's like, "In fact, you have the hottest husband." Can you imagine if you were Benioff? Yeah, and you're like, "Not only did I do Thrones, yes, but then like Sarah Paulson is yes. like, I'm the hottest man in the world." He's objectively a good looking. He's a good looking guy. We he is a good looking guy. We, we interview. He's a tall. He's, he looks you in the eye. Did we interview him? We yes, we interviewed Dan and Dave. Did we? Yes, we went to their office. Where were you? You, me, Dave Jacoby. We did that? Yes. Did you do that? Yes. Oh, you mean you didn't come? Did I not? Was I not there? I, I, all I know is I went to their production offices. And we did a podcast. Or I did a podcast. I don't with, know if I Benioff did Benioff and Weiss. I feel like I must have. Was did this we, like 2013? Yeah. Did we not invite you? I Maybe I was busy. You, probably, you know, you probably had travel baseball. <laughs> <laughs> you probably had a big... Yeah, that was the last press they did. Okay. Because of that. No, they, I mean, then they, from that point on, not because of our uh, our thing, but like after that year, they pretty much went James Hibbert EW exclusive. Yes, right. But they came on the podcast. We got to get our James Hibbert EW exclusive creator. Who do you think that should be? You don't think we have that already? I think we 
we have like a, a open line of communication with several people, but yes. I want someone to say, I will not do any other press except for the watch. Conrad and Mickey, your move. Yeah, but like I want those guys to blossom. <laughs> like I want those guys to eat. I want yeah. those guys to like get well off of industry. You know, like I don't want to hold them just for okay, the two of us. Okay, so here's my pitch. Three body problems, Dan and Dave. You know Let's, what one problem you won't have? Make it right, guys. The problem you won't have is good press when you talk to your pals here at the Watch Podcast. Yeah. Both Chris and I have read the novel in the original Chinese. <laughs> we think that your vision for this property is bold. It looks good. It looks good. It looks cool. I, I, we, we could be proven so wrong here. This is me pivoting to genuine take here. But those guys are extremely talented. They've had all the time and all the resources to, I don't believe in the phrase, get it right, but to give it their best and do their best version of it. So I think it's exciting. I also think it's a weird one, right? Where this has been the undercurrent of this entire podcast. But like, if this was for almost any other service, I think that the framing of like, this is a existentially important swing would matter, but it, it kind of doesn't for Netflix, right? I, I mean, it's, it is wild that this is just, this and Stranger Things will just be up on a Friday at midnight. Yep. And then the, the whole season will be there. Do we have any sense of release date or anything? Are we Spring, I think. Spring, summer, something like that. Uh, here's a couple more things, and then I have a, a funny little thing to talk to you about. Okay. It's, uh, it's March. It's been, it's been given a date. It's been in March. 21st okay, March. A couple more things I have my eye on. Uh, on the FX Hulu side of things, I know that I talked about a couple of earlier, uh, but I am very curious about Noah Hawley's Alien adaptation. Mm -hmm. Timothy we, Oliphant. We, we're not sure if that's going to make this year. I don't know. That was what he was shooting mm -hmm. when the strikes hit. Yes, in uh, Thailand. Yes. Uh, Alex Lothar. Um, I love Alex and, Lothar. And Timothy Oliphant, among others. Uh, it's set decades before Alien, apparently. Alex um, Lothar from End of the Fucking World and from Andor. Yeah. The franchise, Armando Iannucci and Sam Mendes collaborating uh, about a production of a superhero movie starring Billy Magnuson and Amish Patel and Aya Cash. Aya Cash was, we're, we're like her James Hibbard. Yeah. That's right. She comes on this podcast a lot. Yeah, that's good. She's good in the Five Timers Club. Other Mr. And Mrs. Smith we've talked about. Um, all right. You know what I didn't talk about? You no. noticed this? No. What's missing? Um, NCIS Sydney. Marvel and Star Wars. Oh, oh. That's true. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. We, aside from Echo, don't really have a sense of what's coming Marvel-wise, especially live action. They've got a couple of animated things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marvel mm -hmm. Zombies, like What If, X-Men 97. The heads are really chomping at the bit for that. Mm -hmm. uh, we come out of Loki. We come out of the whole Jonathan Major saga. And, you know, Deadpool is really the one. Deadpool is like the thing that seems to be coming. And I don't know. I wonder, we've, we've long speculated and kind of wondered, like, could they do this? Could they do that? It, it almost feels like they're laying the groundwork to mm -hmm. kind of reboot this whole thing a bit. Yeah. I mean, so are you, do you want to talk specifically just about the TV side or the whole <sighs> I, MCU project? I, I mean, the MCU project. And maybe it's relationship to TV. Yes. I, oh, I, Agatha Coven of Witches or Darkhold or whatever that they've decided to call it. But the Agatha show is apparently either shot or Darkhold whatever. Diaries? Yeah. Isn't, didn't that used to air on Cinemax on Friday nights? <laughs> yeah. I feel like... The real heads know. We didn't talk about this. Yeah, this happens. The Jonathan Majors uh, verdict and then uh, the Marvel... The prompt reply from Disney, yeah. Happened, I think, as we were leaving the studio for the last show we did in person uh, last year. 
And I think the actual, the legal facts and the human element and Jonathan Majors and all of that, if we could bubble it off and set it aside for a moment, because there are real people involved in all of this, and just talk purely from a, uh, through a professional creative lens, I think it's so, it is fascinating. Because this is not an outcome anybody wanted, certainly, um, again, for the personal cost of all of this. But I do wonder if internally they are thinking of this as an opportunity. Because it not only, in one stroke, in one judge's decision, and again, I think many people have said this already, this was, they were ready, they'd already pivoted. Yeah. This was already decided, they were letting the legal process play out. But all of a sudden, they have to pivot. And I think from a creative standpoint, not just us saying this, I think the box office was saying it as well, building the next half decade of your entertainment product off of one actor and one character that you have really only built up through your not particularly loved television arm, that's gone. Yeah. That's gone. Yeah. So there's a chance for them to try something new, which I think they otherwise, because of their commitment to the everything is connected bit, they would never have done. Yeah. The multiversal aspect of the storytelling, I think at once has been one of the biggest drains of my interest Mm -hmm. in Marvel and is also the thing that provides them the out here is that they can just be like, now we're going to tell a story that's taking place in another universe or in another, not even another universe, but another timeline or whatever. And I wonder whether or not like market forces have contributed to a, situation where they can like now say let's focus on fantastic four and x-men you know we don't need to make ant-man four we don't need to make uh, captain marvel three we don't need to make a lot of this stuff i mean they are still making thunderbolts without the great stephen young Mm -hmm. apparently who had to drop out due to scheduling but it's it's interesting like there's a moment here where they could to your point they could say the next phase of of the MCU is these unknown worlds. In this case, the unknown worlds being Fantastic Four yeah. and X-Men. And we don't have any prior knowledge, but it would make sense considering the larger arc they could also of the project. totally reboot if they wanted to. They and could. I, yeah. But I just mean that like building towards Secret Wars and all the Kang stuff suggests that they aren't going to say, hey, guess what? Professor Xavier School's been here the whole time just south of Sokovia. We just didn't tell you about it. That they are going to say instead that there is a universe where the X-Men are a thing and then they're going to crash them all together and make them one universe. So jumping to these other universes does give them a chance to kind of mirror what DC is doing and being like, it's a fresh start. Yep. Um, But it is risky to walk away from not just your home story and your home planet, but your home universe. But at the same time, what's what's keeping the home fires burning that people are that interested in? Uh, That's the thing. Is is, is there like a huge amount of people who are like, I got to get one more Doctor Strange in me, you know? But we say this, and not only, I mean, I, Thunderbolts is presumably going to yeah. film soon, but Captain America is just, the new Captain America with Anthony Mackie is like perpetually filming, from what we understand, that they just hired a new screenwriter, even though they've been filming it's a never-ending for a few story. Um, it's a great American songbook. We just go back to it. I, I think, to, to, before we go too out down that track, to start the year, I think that your point at the start was an important <laughs> so one, which is... You did, didn't want to do a, a tight 40 on Secret Wars. <laughs> I can't do a tight 40 on Secret... Maybe on Secret Wars 1, <laughs> yeah. not Secret Wars 2. And let alone Hickman's Secret Wars. Uh, no, that it was interesting and very... I thought that was very exciting that you made this beautiful list with a lot of interesting programs, um, none of which are Marvel. Yeah, and on the other side of the Mouse House yeah, at Lucasfilm... Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, sounds like Skeleton Crew is coming at some point this year, and that is John Watts's 
Jude Law starring Star Wars show that, at least in the descriptions of it, has Goonies, Coming of Age, Amblin vibes. And the directorial talent on this show, at least the mm-hmm. ones attached, is like the Daniels, Lee Isaac Chung. It's like, in addition to John Watts, that's incredible stuff. So that seems like it's coming. Yes. Uh, Acolyte. I think so. Your guess is as good as mine. Um, and or, like we said, and... I think Acolyte, which is um, Leslie Headland's show. Yeah. I, I think that'll come this year. And then there's the the Filoni-verse. The, the Filoni-Favreau side of things. And I don't know whether there's a Mando coming or whether there's a... I, I, and I assume, because now we're, we've reached the end of your list, that you were saving the number my number one... I assume number one show for last, which is Monsieur Spade. I mean, that's that's in a couple of weeks, bro. January fourteenth. Yep. On AMC, we get Monsieur Spade, starring Clive Owen. You're really putting a little bit of Dijon on on Monsieur, aren't you? <laughs> the, the, the Dijon is actually what I coated my throat with before I gargled uh-huh. with Grey Poupon, just to be able to do the pod. Um, this is the new show from Scott Frank. Yeah. We could be his, James Hibbert. He's been on the show. Hopefully he'll come on again. I think the New Yorker kind of elbowed us I, on, I, I on I kind of did want to say that. Like Patrick Radden Keefe did a profile of Scott Frank, the great screenwriter uh, who also did Queen's Gambit and uh, Godless. And for fa- if you like this podcast, <laughs> you will like this article. Yeah. It is so sick. It yeah. is such a good profile. It's just like, these stories of like Scott Frank and Tony Gilroy. But it's also like Patrick Radenkeefe, like, come on, dog. What are one, you doing? One for him. I guess so, but I'm just like, 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 you, you first you took out the IRA, now you gotta take out the watch. Oh, <laughs> like he came for us? No, he didn't come for us, but it's just like we got bodied. There's no, there's no thing I could ask Scott Frank. That's a good point. <laughs> but there's, there's one thing you could ask Daniel Eck, which is can we have the budget to Do go to France? Do you think it would be cool if we did an interview with Scott Frank and we were just like, my other favorite part of the Patrick Radden Keefe profile of you? <laughs> my favorite part was just the anecdotes of Scott Frank and Tony Gilroy in exile in West Village cafes being like, ah, Bill Goldman told me to do this in Act One. Yeah. What a time. I know. So great. Doctors. These guys are great. Um, I'm psyched for the show. It. You that's haven't watched it yet, right? I have not fired those up yet. I was just thinking about doing it tonight, actually. Last night I had to go see Night Swim. Uh, which I don't think you'll be seeing. That's a, a film <laughs> um, starring Wyatt Russell about a haunted pool. About a haunted a haunted swimming pool? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I would go two and a half stars. Really? Yeah. Pretty, do you think that's, entertaining. Do you think that's relevant to a lot of America? That seems pretty elitist. Uh, no, he is, well, he is a retired or forced to retire baseball player. So he has a little bit of money in the bank. So I think he can make a, a nice, healthy down payment. No, I just mean like, Problems of the pool owning class. It oh. feels like not since Cheever or whatever have we. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, mortgage rates are high. You're right. They are. Yeah. I wish I had a pool. Me too. I, I would take a haunted pool at this point. Would you trade your electric car for a swimming pool right now? It wouldn't be responsible to the environment. <laughs> Neither of those things are. It seems like <laughs> um, like, that's our that's our list for 2024. A ton of stuff will obviously just emerge. Mm-hmm. Um, you always get your zero zero zeros. You always get well. You know what? Hopefully we do get those kind yeah, of things. I don't know I if think we do anymore. It's more and more rare. Kai, what is a thing that you were most excited about that I just listed? Oh, um, let me see. You're really putting her on the spot. No, here. I just wanted to get her her perspective. I like the Kate Blanchett, yeah, Alfonso Cuaron Cuaron show. There you that go. Sounds it's adapted from a thriller. That sounds great. You know, if Ka- it can exists. you notice how how much more Kaya reads this? Oh, I've always known that. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I look forward to most. Yeah, in the but year. you guys are reading like dense. 
I told yeah, Kaya I that uh, I was like, did you know that Anthony Jeselnik is like mm. a huge voracious reader and is like actually like a very powerful recommendation mm. engine unto himself? I bought several books. Mm. She was like, it's nice that you guys have that. <laughs> well, because he said. <laughs> She's like he, Oprah or Reese. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm glad the guys. Oh, so oh for the fellas. I yeah. was going to say every December, a prominent person drops a list of books that they've read over the previous year. And it's you. It's not. It's not Barack Obama. Yeah. The, Ky- oh. the Kyleist. The it's Kyle. not you, Chris. It's the Kyleist. It's on Instagram. I like to do a little influencing. Here yeah, there, I know? love it because also I really like the way you do it. You're like, here's the the full total, mm-hmm. but there's only there's a check mark next to the ones you really like. Start. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that was great. And then I, I don't know if you, you know, we we don't have a, a group C on on the IG, but I saw like the guest by Emma Klein. I was interested in reading it. I Kaya thinks that I would like it, so I'm going to read it. Yeah. Yeah, I recommend. You know who else liked it? Who? Anthony Jeselnik. <laughs> well, Kai, Anthony Jeselnik. Do you know Anthony Jeselnik? <laughs> I've never heard of him before Chris <laughs> pointed him out to me, but... I'm, I'm glad. I think Chris makes fun of me when I say we should just make this a book podcast. Um, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm all for it. I just think that you and I do... Mm-hmm. We have some divergent tastes when it comes to books. And also, it's just oh. like, you know... Oh. Oh, we did discover that over the break. Yeah. When you were reading your third thriller about a... <laughs> ex-IRA whatever soldier who comes home to discover the bodies of missing children in his in his mom's garage or whatever and I'm like Rachel Cusk took her family to Italy and she had some thoughts you seem like you're doing great and I expect so much more from you on Monday uh, yeah and I apologize for the, the vocal that's all right. timbre here I'm a, on, on behalf of the audience it's alright uh, some really fun stuff coming in the next couple of episodes like I mentioned True Detective Monster Spade maybe a little See, now you're now you're doing the other way. Munster Spade? What is this? <laughs> Monsieur Spade. Is that good? Listen, it's not for me to judge. Yeah, okay, Bill Buford. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you guys on Monday. <laughs>